Welcome back to the Service Design Podcast. This is the first episode in the series in which we speak to the winners of the Service Design Award. And today we're speaking to our friends from Belgium, Lise and Marlies from Twisted Studio, who won the Best Lean Approach to Service Design and Prototyping Award. Welcome to our studio, guys. Hello. And congratulations with your awards. How does it feel to be a Service Design Award winner? Amazing. Yeah, a bit unreal. Of course, when you write the the big file and all the you have to prepare all, all these documents, you hope you're going to win, but we never thought or hoped it was. Yeah, no, it's no. just <laughs> it's just really cool that we won. Yeah. <laughs> um, could you guys uh, introduce yourselves briefly for our listeners, then they also know which voice belongs to uh, who? Okay, so I'm uh, Marlies. I live in Brussels. My background is in visual design, digital design, actually. And I uh, also have a part-time job in uh, teaching uh, digital design in Antwerp. What do you want to know about me? Otherwise, this studio, yeah, I co-founded with Lies. I've been changing to service design since, I think, four years, five years, something like that. So, yeah, I think we, me and Lies form a very good team, complementary team in our skills. So that's why I work together with Lise. Yes, and I'm Lise. I'm a psychologist and uh, I've been working in policy and project management since many years. And yes, a few years ago, I, I met my Lise when I was very, very interested in knowing all about human-centered design and taking courses in that. And then we founded Twisted Studio. And Twisted Studio was actually founded to help organizations that want to work to find solutions bottom-up uh, with uh, participative methods. And then we feel that human-centered design has all that you need to have beautiful uh, bottom-up project. So we are supporting organizations now to do these projects mostly by themselves with our coaching. And we take up parts of the project or the trajectory that they don't feel comfortable in. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. I think that's also one of the reasons why you probably won the Lean Prototyping uh, Award. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because you uh, you won the award for a project which is called Lama, if I remember well. Yes. Well, I don't remember where the letters uh, were standing for. L-A-M-A? L-A-M-A, yes. Uh, <laughs> it stands for, hold on, Laboratory Alternative Mobile... No. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot myself. Laboratoria Mobile Alternativen. Ah, yeah. Okay, yes, sorry, yeah. so uh, Laboratory Mobile Alternatives. Yes. Yes, yeah. and can you explain a little bit what you did in this project? All right, okay, so now it's a matter of being concise. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the briefing was, we don't have a lot of money. <laughs> we don't have a lot of people. We have very limited time. Uh, so, yeah, resources was uh, very, very limited. And the client, Network Duurzame Mobiliteit, which is an, um, an organization that is looking for solutions for better mobility in terms of sustainability. They were looking for a partner to develop a, a model trajectory to help smaller cities who don't have big budgets to hire consultants to involve their citizens in finding solutions to improve mobility in a neighborhood, basically. And they had had experience with service design before. And they were specifically looking for uh, people who had a design background to help them with that. 
and that was us. And a little detail that's interesting is this is the first job that we got, actually. Yeah. I, I still see us coming out of their office doing the high five, like, yes, we landed our first job. <laughs> <laughs> But it was perfect for us because as uh, resources were limited, they weren't looking for people who knew all the nitty gritty about design thinking. They were looking for people who had the mindset and who could think like them. And uh, me with my background in, in policy uh, in uh, nonprofits, I knew the type of work they, they were doing and how they were subsidized and all that. So it was easy to fit in with their people. And okay, so now I lost my thread a little bit. Uh, <laughs> what was I saying? I was saying uh, that what, what we were doing for them, right? Yeah, the context that you actually, you also, you let them do all the work, yes, basically. Be be yes, because the, the resources were limited. Mm -hmm. And also for the cities that they were planning this project for, they also have limited resources. So it all had to be very simple mm -hmm. and, and straightforward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just very, very practically, how, how do you go about putting uh, other people to work in service design? How do you make sure that, that it's clear for them how to help in a project like that and to also keep the quality high? Yes, <laughs> good question. I think very specific for this project, we had a trajectory that went over years. Uh, so in the first year, we also felt that it was better that we ourselves were like, you know, the facilitators mm -hmm. of the workshops, the co-design workshops with the citizens and with the the pol politicians, because there was a big uh, fear and uncertainty like, yes, we want to involve our citizens, but how do you do it? And a lot of worries about what if somebody is in the workshop that is really anti-mobility or anti-this or anti-that. So in the first installment, in the first year, we had three cities, three, three communities, where we were more upfront in the workshops. And then the client uh, organizations, they were like, you know, our, our co-facilitator. So they saw, you know, what could happen, what was important. They helped us. They were like our assistants. Yes. And I think we have to mention that the, the, the organization that we were working with, they had a long uh, standing experience with um, um, doing workshops with people and, and working with smaller cities. Um, so they had a lot of experience. It's, it's the, we were a good match in terms of that they, they definitely knew the, how to handle the context and um, how to um, get the conditions right for the, for, for, what, for the work we had to do. Uh, and all we had to bring was the design mindset and the tools and the instruments and all that. And they gave us a lot of freedom there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that was nice. Mm -hmm. And then it was easy, I think, to have quality in that sense that everybody knew their role mm -hmm. and everybody took the part that they should play, mm -hmm. uh, definitely in the first year. Mm -hmm. And then in, in the second year, we just did a lot of trainings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you say, like the designer mindset and the tools of uh, bringing probably uh, problem solving and uh, solution thinking into an organization, that's something you did. But how do you go about that? Because I have uh, experience in other projects that a lot of people have some uh, troubles with that. They think more in uh, problems. They think, in, oh, this is so complex complex how are we going to handle that how did you make sure that uh, they really took on the the positive uh, problem solving uh, role in those workshops well this was the easiest project 
that we have had in, in, in those terms because that it was what they were looking for. And I think they had a natural uh, belief that being solution oriented was the only way to, to get things done, get, getting things done. And um, I think the same was for the for the smaller cities that we were working with, that they had uh, all had uh, experiences in the past with uh, involving citizens. And uh, many of those were disappointing. And the citizens were sometimes a bit upset that they had been involved in so many <laughs> groups where it was just talk, talk, talk about problems. And they really wanted to get away from that. They didn't want to talk about problems anymore. They wanted some action and doing. And they loved the whole idea of, of testing and, and um, trying out things in, 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 in real life prototypes. Uh, it was a bit scary for, for one mayor, a bit more than for the other. <laughs> um, but th yeah, they were also selected uh, by the Network Duurzame Mobiliteit mm -hmm. uh, to take part in this project. There, were, there was more small cities that wanted to part yes. participate in this uh, project, but couldn't mm -hmm. because uh, the network thought that they weren't ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, they mm -hmm. really played their part in um, mm -hmm. in setting the conditions yeah. so that we could do a it's nice a job. Great uh, partnership. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So really, we, we see it as a as an award that we won together. Yes. Yeah. It's not just mm -hmm. Twisted Studios Award. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you maybe uh, explain a little bit about the solutions that came out of the workshop? Maybe one example, so the listeners know a little yeah. bit more, like what it looked like and how you came up with uh, one idea and what you did together with them to develop it further. Okay. I think a good example is the one in Melsele. Yeah. In yeah. yeah. I was thinking about yes. the same one. So uh, the one in Melsele, which is a small city in the province of Antwerp, um, was about uh, heavy traffic passing by small streets in the cities and the village center. And with heavy traf traffic, we mean big trucks rolling through uh, uh, yeah, school environment, cobblestone streets, little church. Mm. <laughs> yes. And the heavy trucks were just going wham, yes. straight through yes. because there was always traffic jams on the main road that was just alongside this part of the of the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so that was one of the challenges because every uh, zone was very much uh, defined, like we're going to uh, do solutions uh, here in this zone. Um, and so the citizens came up in the first workshop about cutting the streets. They were like, between this hour and that hour, we're just going to cut the street. They were very, yeah, extreme in their solutions. But yeah, the workshop participants and then also afterwards with the expertise of the local mobility uh, politicians. How do you call them? Schepen? The... <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I forgot the In Dutch, word. the schepen. Maybe Elderman. Elderman, yes, because we, we did, yeah. Uh, they decided, like, okay, let's let's see how it goes. Um, and I think there was a little, yes, there was a test during uh, the week of mobility because the whole, all the trajectories in each of the city led up to uh, the uh, real-life testing, and that was coupled with the campaign Week of Mobility, which is in Bel Belgium and Flanders, a week with a lot of uh, public media where lots of stuff is happening around sustainable mobility. So, and all of these prototypes were tested during this week. And so also cutting of the streets was tested in this week. 
what we saw happen was that there was a lot of protests about this particular uh, intervention. Uh, we heard that there were like petitions in the local butchers and the local bakery, like Facebook Fa groups, yeah, Facebook group. mm -hmm. stuff like that. And we were like, wow, okay, we are onto something. People really care, right? Uh, so in the beginning, Maybe we should explain what it means when you cut off the street. Cut is the is street. that clear? I'm, I'm imagining you just close it off. Yes. So, exactly. so what, what they had done, and, and they made a little mistake there. Mm -hmm. They put up uh, a sign saying, uh, this is a new traffic situation. <laughs> that it wasn't there. clear that it was a test at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> uh, with, with the school children, they had put um, these um, typical plastic little... Um, Con -con cones? Yeah, cones yeah. to block the street. So... Mm -hmm. There was really no way anymore for traffic to pass by. And um, what you should know is across from the school that was now protected very well, mm -hmm. <laughs> there was also um, buildings where a lot of elderly people live and their parking lot was just behind <laughs> these <Yeah>. cones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. they obviously got upset that they couldn't uh, get to the, the parking lots anymore mm -hmm. from the village. So no, yeah, it's exactly. really, really cool to hear that the cities were willing to, to try yes. these yeah. things out. And to go that far. Each, yeah. each of the cities uh, had politicians, you know, who were kind of responsible in the end to say yes or no to these kind of extreme interventions. And in this particular case, this politician, this elder man, he was like, yes, let's try it. But yes, unfortunately, what one of the things that was not really handled uh, well was the communication around it. Mm. And so uh, we already had we had always three workshops, you know, an uh, ideation workshop and prototyping workshop and an uh, evaluation workshop. And so on the evaluation workshop, the guy, this elder guy, elder man, he really took uh, responsibility and said, like, yes, um, this is us okay. trying things because I think we can all agree that the situation in the school streets is very, very dangerous, which all of the people in this workshop were like, yes, we agree. Lots of people in this workshop, by the way, like everybody was involved saying like, we want to we want to say something about it. We don't agree. Um, so um, in the workshop, in the evaluation workshop, we, we uh, specifically had room to uh, say what they think, say what they like, say what they didn't like, and also to iterate more like, okay, what should it become uh, in any case? So that was a good mm -hmm. intervention of this mm -hmm. politician because we, in other cities, not all politicians were as willing to take risks because mm -hmm. yes, that's a big risk. Mm -hmm. And so that's, we learned a lot from that as a kind of you know design principle around it saying, you have to have <laughs> ideally, some uh, politicians, elderly men who are willing to go a little bit far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing was actually that uh, in this last workshop, the people who got the idea like, oh, okay, it's a test. Phew. Mm -hmm. It's yep. not a, it's not final. We can still mm -hmm. say apparently, but I was not present. Um, they did come up with a new solution that was, according to the mobility experts, even more extreme than they, they had before. If I remember well, uh, they made for another test for three or six months, I, I believe, they made the street a one-way street. Mm -hmm. It was uh, th That's now the permanent yeah. situation. Ah, yeah, voilà. And yeah, they yeah. tested it again and then had to have another evaluation. But of course, this was 2016. They, yeah, they must have yeah, decided so now, by the yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so the solution yeah. that they came up with at the evaluation evaluation session, it wasn't more extreme than what was tested, uh -huh. but more ex extreme than what the um, municipality had ah, thought yes, yes, yes. they ha they could do. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The municipality had never thought they they would be able to land 
uh, with such a, an, an impressive change. And so uh, what they did now is the, the street was already uh, labeled as a bike street, meaning that traffic should stay behind the bikes. But nobody knew because it wasn't clear. Mm. <laughs> and now from doing this trajectory, uh, everybody became very aware of what was needed to make it a real bike street. So they implemented a few changes. I think they painted the, the streets uh, and put a, a better signage with actual explanation. What does it mean when mm. you have a bike street? Because a lot of people don't know the mm. term. Um, and then uh, at the beginning and at the end of the street, there is now a barrier that closes when school goes in and school goes out. So I think 50 minutes, 30 minutes at the beginning of the school day and at the end of the school day. And then parents have to park outside of the street, drop the children off, and then they can just walk to school safely. But the rest of the day, the barrier is open and traffic can go through. But uh, it is a one-way street yes. also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And apparently there is now 70% less trucks passing through yeah. uh, the the. Yeah. The, yeah, the cobblestone streets mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. the church and all that. Yeah. yeah, of course, what they did see, and that is what you will always see, you make a change in one point and somewhere else also mm -hmm. this has an effect. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the neighborhood across the main road with all the traffic jams, now they had trouble there. Mm -hmm. So they, they were looking for solutions to, um, to make sure that uh, traffic wouldn't go, go through um, the neighborhood at the other side, mm -hmm. of course. Yeah. 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 So what what would you say would have uh, happened if you hadn't had this intervention? What Where would they have ended up? Would they have just come up with a different solution or no solution at all? Without the workshops that Yet. we did? Mm -hmm. uh, well, so they had had uh, other consultants come in or at least um, staff from the municipality had tried out stuff and it never landed anywhere. Mm -hmm. Nothing changed. Nothing was done. Uh, they, they couldn't... They couldn't get people to believe in bigger steps, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it all, yeah, it, it probably stayed at, um, it's a bike street. People should just respect that it is a bike street. Why won't they listen and <laughs> see that it's a bike street? And that is what I love about design thinking. If your design is not working, uh, then, then it's not the people's fault. Is the design that is that is faulty and that needs to change, mm -hmm. and uh, I like how it takes responsibility away from people. That it's uh, it's a lot more guilt-free <laughs> mm -hmm. than other approaches. It's like people, we love you. You you do your best in life, and life is tough. And bringing your kids to school safely each day is so worry for everyone. And let's just find a solution to mm -hmm. to make this happen. And if just uh, labeling this street as bike street is not working. Let's try something more, or tell us mm -hmm. what what it could be, and and by trying it out, you you uh, you also filter what is really important, mm -hmm. and that is what we saw there. Yeah. I think a lot of other municipalities, they probably, they're waiting for this one perfect solution yeah. that they from research told them yeah. and they could learn from all other municipalities that yes. this is the right one. And they are waiting for it. Uh, and also what, and what they don't, don't dare to decide. Let's just do a yes, test. And yeah. they focus too much on uh, what they cannot change. So this this main road where all the traffic jam is, of course, that is the problem. That is the real mm -hmm. problem, that there is all these uh, trucks going through and, and jamming the traffic. Uh, but that is not the, the municipality's um, 
uh, they don't have a mandate on that road. That's regional. Uh, mm. For people who know Belgium, <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> mandates are all over the place here, mm. and uh, the the city doesn't always decide on mm. everything that is within mm. uh, their their um, scope. Mm-hmm. And so for this road, everybody was like, yes, yes, but we cannot change that because it's not the mandate of the city mm-hmm. to change anything there. And, and people were thinking about tunnels and bridges and huge infrastructure work. And um, and that is that was nice about also the setup of, of the project. Network Durzame Mobiliteit was convinced that there are simple solutions mm-hmm. who can make a big change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can identify them by doing the workshops with people and you you just have your high, how might we questions right mm. you you do your research so that you have your nice challenges that people can reflect on and and this way i think that is the best way to guarantee the quality also of the workshops if you have good how might we questions mm-hmm. then people focus on what can be changed mm. and um yeah. and then you know from there it goes naturally into mm. the right direction mm-hmm. yeah do you have any insights in whether you had an impact on some of the cities that they they changed their way of working even after you were involved? Yeah, yeah, that happened. Can yeah. you give uh, an example yeah. of that? Yeah, so we we th- it's a bit hearsay because um, after the budget was finished, <laughs> of course we weren't involved anymore in these cities. Um, but what we heard from the, the partner organization is that many of these cities say that seeing what could be done on mobility uh, inspired them to also on other uh, fields um, do more participatory work, do more mm-hmm. workshops with people to find solutions with uh, the citizens and um, that it, it helped them develop a more modern uh, form of democracy. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting one. It's like this, you have this whole wave of um, uh, participation in Belgium, yeah. uh, participatie. But indeed, there are often um, governments, they, they uh, stay into the more uh, problem uh, phase and mm-hmm. they want to know from all the citizens like what goes wrong. But then going the next uh, level to solutions yeah. and co-creating the solutions, it seems like it's still a really hard thing for yeah. a lot of mm-hmm. governments to do. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips on how they could um, organize their uh, participation in a better way so that they really come to solutions which are uh, that all citizens and all politicians and all stakeholders involved Mm -hmm. are uh, convinced about? Well, one of my tips that I would that I saw happen is that sometimes the governments think like, oh, but what people have said they want and co-created in the workshop, it needs to be that exact thing that Mm -hmm. we make. And then they won't be happy if we don't do that. So it should be more like we're going to take inspiration and, and, you know, directions of what it should be, what people find important. Uh, and then we, you know, we, we, we make a design and we, we co-design it and we keep on checking with our users mm-hmm. what it should be. But for example, I don't, you gave me that example uh, recently, like it's not because the users made like a prototype of a room with, you know, neon, yellow, green and uh, uh, other colors that it needs to be like that. I mean, it's a simple, maybe simplification. But sometimes I feel that that's what they think is expected. Yeah, yeah that's that's a fear I recognize from other contexts as well. Yeah. That yeah, just by doing a workshop and they have said it out loud, it means they have to uh, yeah. deliver on that. Yeah, and I think but the, the the thing is, yeah. is that 
what, what you see happening is that people bring you the elements of the solution and the prototyping material uh, gives it a physical form, but the prototyping material is something that we brought and we don't, we, you don't need to attach too much to the exact materials that were used or the shapes and, mm -hmm. and dimensions there. It's the ideas behind that. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really like how in um, design, th design thinking workshops, there's us usually a pitch at the end. And then we always ask people to pitch uh, for like two minutes or something. And then um, we ask reactions from people uh, who, who are not pitching. And, and then you hear such interesting remarks also. Mm -hmm. uh, and all that is important. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then another thing, which is really simple, but that municipalities um, should do if they want to be su successful at being participatory is to have a very short communication line between uh, their uh, civil servants and the politicians. If you have uh, lots of commissions and and I all understand. sorts of steering groups and reflection groups and mm -hmm. all that, yeah, if there is hierarchy, but also the typical political structures that exist in many countries, I think, uh, then everything will just be blocked because it's just talk, 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 talk. And then in the end, you need to pay attention to so many people's opinions also mm -hmm. that you just lose track of what needs to be done. And, mm -hmm. and yeah. also it takes too long. Mm -hmm. It needs to move rapidly. Mm. And, um, and you can only do that when you have short communication lines. And that is why I think it's easier for smaller cities and municipalities to be modern in <laughs> democracy mm. than big cities and states, because for them it's, it's uh, easier to, mm -hmm. to leave behind all yeah. the commissions and all that. They don't have time for that or money for that yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I think what is then really nice what you did is that you uh, quickly went to prototypes first yes. just in a workshop but then also in the real field yeah but uh, from my experience that creates also a lot of uh, stress mm -hmm. uh, sometimes with the uh, municipalities themselves because you say you're gonna do something you create expectations that this is gonna be it uh, and maybe in the end uh, turned out it's not a good solution so you have to change again and yeah. then you get a lot of remarks again so this whole uh, iterative process which we normally as designers <laughs> are used to it seems like yeah it is uh, quite a challenge if you have to uh, do that with citizens yeah, as well because they is. always have to adapt to the change and the uh, people from the municipality always have to say why they did that and why they changed yeah. again so yeah you'll be the most successful when you have elder men with balls <laughs> <laughs> or or female, yeah yeah uh, the female yeah. counterparts <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you you have to be a bit um, gutsy mm -hmm. to do it uh, but what we saw is that the politicians who were gutsy enough they th that was reflected in in the voting um in in the mm. in the elections yeah. later mm -hmm. yeah, okay. so yeah and did you run into situations where this was was not the case and that it yeah. really uh, didn't work as yeah. well as yes. in in mm -hmm. the other cities yeah and then just nothing happens yeah <laughs> it's yeah it was a shame there are several examples where the politicians because it really depends on who was like you know the person who wants to do lama in their city mm -hmm. Uh, in in one city, it was the associations of bikers mm -hmm. who were like you know the the, the demanding, mm -hmm. and then they kind of convinced their friends in the in the city to to go along with it. 
But in hindsight, um, yeah, it, they need to really be convinced. They need to have that yeah, inherited need like, okay, yes, we want to fix this on this particular way mm-hmm. and not just to, you know, kind of satisfy or check off a box in their mm-hmm. but But the city that you're talking about now, mm-hmm. uh, now years later is coming back to us because they were inspired at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't the right time yet. They... You also have to see which political parties are running the city. Uh, and then next elections, sometimes the people who were inspired but couldn't move along mm-hmm. because they didn't they didn't have the right coalition. Years later, they do find the right coalition mm-hmm. and they remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, um, they, uh, they are now in that city going to start with uh, new workshops and mm-hmm. on a much uh, more um, and on a much bigger scale, much mm-hmm. more ambitious. Yeah. So cool. sometimes you just need to wait it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you are saying uh, for these projects to work, you you definitely need buy-in from from the top. Yeah, uh, yeah. And one thing I, you just mentioned that was interesting. So uh, the successful projects where they really did show uh, their stuff, mm-hmm. they um, had better um, better chances in the re-election. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is well, it's a small sample. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah it's a small sample. But um, is that something you uh, you use also in <laughs> convincing other people now? Yeah, mm. of course. Mm-hmm. Why would you keep it behind? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and you, you see uh, when you talk to politicians, their eyes start twinkling. <laughs> it's reassuring. Yeah? It's, a, it's a tough job being a politician. And, and now in Belgium, also politicians have the name of being corrupt and only thinking about um, getting their own, uh, their own interests forward. And they have a bad, bad image now. <laughs> But we meet a lot of politicians who really do want to make a, mm-hmm. a, a positive change and who want to throw in their weight mm-hmm. and um, yeah we, we like to work with them and support them if we can mm-hmm. for sure yeah yeah you gave uh, a lot of the service design uh, process out of hand so you mm-hmm. uh, trained people you coached them in the beginning did some workshops yourself uh, what is your uh, tip to other service designers who uh, are doing this, who are not uh, doing everything themselves, but are giving responsibilities yeah. to the clients they work with, because <laughs> it's a, it's a sometimes a tough decision, like when and which part of the process do we um, give out of hand and where are we still really valuable in the process? Yeah, mm. well, that is, I think you, in your last uh, words, you, you mentioned something important. I think Uh, you have to forget that you are important in the process. I think there's two types of designers. There's the designers who have, you know, a lot of skill. They are super talented and they have the ego <laughs> that goes with it. And they, they, they see a solution and they are convinced that it is nice and they want to move that forward. Um, but in this type of work, you, you can't be like that. You can't have a designer's ego. <laughs> you just have to forget about yourself. You're a facilitator and all you can do is uh, help create the right conditions. And, and, and then you have to step away and uh, understand that everybody has their responsibility. And if there is a fuck up, well, you know, uh, failing, failing is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, have to, you have to just uh, let go a bit, of mm-hmm. course. And, and sometimes 
it is frustrating and I think it's it's the hardest thing about what we do mm-hmm. when sometimes Marlisa and I are ranting mm-hmm. <laughs> after after a meeting with mm-hmm. clients because uh, it's it's sometimes so hard to make them see what is really important or um yeah, sometimes you, you, you do two st- steps forward and one back because the client is not really understanding things right. Or bec- not only that, also clients are under pressure from um, the subsidizing instances that are hovering above their heads or their directors who, who don't really understand what, what mm-hmm. is going on there. And so... Um, yeah, it, it just uh, takes a lot of patience, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every once in a while, a good drop of alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, my tip would be, like, it's, of course, uh, kind of goes without saying because we do a lot of coaching, but it has to be be a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's so important that you kind of let go of control because I am, of course, a part-time teacher. I you kind of I know in hindsight, like, yes, it's true. But then the men at, at the same time also give some structure to your students between brackets, because, uh, for example, when we coach for them during interviews and user research, we do schedule like in between intervisions or like, how do you call them, like checkups, uh, because, for example, we make them uh, uh, make audio uh, recordings of their uh, interviews, not really to like, you know, type it out or something. OK, we can re-listen if to just to check and see. But you, you hear a lot from those audio uh, recordings, like what type of questions do they ask? Yes or no questions. And are they, you know, just stuck to their computer typing everything in? as opposed to, you know, really connecting with the user. Uh, so, yes, be a good teacher, let go of control, uh, have faith in your students, have mm-hmm. faith in your coaching skills, but also check up once in a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. So now you won the award. Uh, what does it mean to you? Um, I think I think it's, it's nice uh, as a recognition mm-hmm. because Twisted Studio is still very small. Um, we, we're not... Uh, either of us is uh, is still doing other stuff besides Twisted Studio, and um, and yeah, we of course want to grow and one day both uh, be full time Twisted Studio <laughs> people. Um, but sometimes we feel like you know, do we matter alongside all the the bigger fish in the in the service design world? And uh, what is our DNA? And you know. Do and and becomes more clear now with the awards and mm-hmm. and it's nice that uh, we we stand our our men our ground our <laughs> will, our women because we're all women <laughs> and uh, and and also it was really nice to do all the paperwork for the award because it um, it's a lot of work of course <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no I, one I say that, that every <laughs> week. <laughs> But no, but it's disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) at least it's a visual report. uh, (laughs) But no, the writing uh, and 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 uh, answering to all the questions that they ask you, um, it pushes you to reflect Mm -hmm. on the work that you've done, and um, and for me, it was was really valuable to to do Mm -hmm. the work, even if we hadn't won the award. That would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, and Marlies made really nice visuals. Thank, so thank you. Now we can use that in all, all our slides and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good sales uh, pitch now. I, I agree with uh, making a wrap-up of a client that has been there from your first year, which, which was very nice. We had to reflect, like, what was our learning? So, like, what yeah. did we get from this also for Twisted Studio, but 
also as as people. Uh, but I do have to com uh, confess a little bit. I'm, I wasn't uh, a big fan of actually um, sending in something because I come from advertising. And in advertising, people, the listeners who have worked in advertising or are working in advertising might recognize this. There's lots of awards going on, and it's a very big deal in award in advertising to win an award, Can Lions and all that. Um, and I had left advertising for one for many reasons but that was very very big one so i was like i don't know if we you know have to go back to that awards <laughs> thing because i'm kind of you know allergic to it in advertising a costs a lot of money to submit costs a lot of money to make uh, the dossiers the the writing also has to be very visual sometimes even like a lot of times people make whole new case movies for it so it's so much pressure to then win the award because they, they spent like 30,000 30, euros investing in it. So I was like, I'm not sure if uh, I want to go back there. But yes, as an exercise, I really thought it was a good good one to wrap it up and have a nice document in English because we hadn't write, written about it in English mm -hmm. to, to send to other people. So it was also a little bit of complex story and I think we really made it uh, accessible and, and understandable voilà. mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, as you said earlier it's also uh, the network organization you worked with together uh, they uh, do have they taken credit also for the award are they proud of the award yeah I think they're proud but I, d I don't think they see what bigger role they played in it yeah. uh, they're quite modest I think mm -hmm. But also, yeah, we've just um, been in touch uh, over email. So mm -hmm. maybe if we have a proper party, yeah. <laughs> proper drinks yeah. and a drop of alcohol. <laughs> I mean, they posted it on their social media channels, yeah, yeah. but they didn't really make a big deal mm -hmm. out of it. So yeah, The thing is, the service design network outside of the designer's world mm -hmm. is not known. Eh? Mm -hmm. So for them, mm -hmm. I think it would be different if it was... A mobility award from mm -hmm. from uh, the European Commission or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, talking about mm -hmm. your uh, partner, uh, are they still uh, doing things with um, the teaching materials you gave them, or do you know that they're still rolling out uh, more workshops or more projects on on other uh, scales, or do you know what is going on at the moment? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because that was one of the questions in the <laughs> in the award file. Um, yeah, well, we were involved up to uh, the beginning of this year, uh, which was 2019. And um, the last job that we did for them was to help them set up an academy to uh, roll out the tools uh, through a school for local politicians, local civil servants. Um, when, when we were doing the groundwork for it, we saw that it would be mostly civil servants who would take the courses. Um, and what they saw, and, and it's so true, is that um, the, the tools are interesting. And you know how many toolboxes there are for, <laughs> for doing service design on your own. Um, and it's, it's, it's cool, but of course, Lots of people still feel a bit shy to use them to facilitate workshops themselves. It's not an easy profession. And when it's new to you, it's double hard. The tools are new and then the facilitation is new. Mm -hmm. So um, they developed a school in which you learn about the tools. And step by step, they guide you through the process. They give you assignments to do. You have to do a real project in your own municipality. And then you come back on the next uh, meeting 
with the other students of the academy and um, and you reflect on what's going mm -hmm. on and all that and we we recently also were re researching what do people need to to really learn on an advanced level on uh, service design and it's exactly that mm -hmm. you need to be able to reflect on it with people who are doing similar work in mm -hmm. a similar situation mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's what they are now trying to set up. And it's the first year that they're doing this. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really uh, curious how, it's, uh, how it is going. Mm -hmm. Also because they're doing it all by themselves. Eh? There is no actual service designer, somebody who, who has a certificate mm -hmm. <laughs> of service design or anything who is involved. It's all um, from, from experience mm -hmm. that this is happening. Um, and then... Alongside that, we hear from them that um, in the network that they that they are facilitating besides doing the courses, um, and I think it's they have in total 140 member or mm. member organizations. But that that means also all the local bike associations right. and all that. Mm. That um, the way of working is sipping through on all levels of uh, of these organizations, and that it is changing even how they work on a daily basis mm -hmm. uh, and that yeah. more and more they, they have this uh, test mindset and the rapid prototyping mindset and the, the fail fast <laughs> and, all, and all that and mm -hmm. just uh, go out on the streets and ask people mm -hmm. all that and they really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what is uh, Twisted Studio working on now? Any future service design award entries? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Let's write another file like that really soon. <laughs> uh, no, um, yeah, we're doing a really nice project on reading now. Yeah, and reading pleasure. Reading pleasure, yeah. Because yes. um, um, it was in the news recently in Belgium that uh, Belgian students are um, getting worse at their reading skills. Um, and at, at the same time, we got this uh, this, this new job uh, for an organization that wants to develop digital tools to for libraries, and and they want to focus on the the reading skills of young people. And apparently, what is key in reading skills is reading pleasure. So now we're helping them develop a uh, digital tool that should improve reading pleasure among young people who don't like reading yes yeah very awesome yeah, yeah it's pretty awesome yeah. yes yeah it's a nice challenge very cool and are you taking the same approach with coaching and teaching people to do it themselves yeah yeah partly but here yeah. the, the budget is bigger mm. and and they have less time so they're asking mm. us to do more mm. uh, and we see the advantages of that as well because eh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. uh, we, we were now doing a, a first uh, prototype test and then what we see is that the client is uh, terribly biased <laughs> mm -hmm. and then in, in the way that they ask questions yes. and all that and uh, you, you you notice that so and they appreciate mm -hmm. that we're there to um, yeah. to take over to to be a bit more um, um, neutral in, mm -hmm. uh, in the testing and, yeah. and also what, what you see is that organizations are so stuck in in the way they are used to work mm -hmm. and then they hire you because they want to, to change things and they want mm -hmm. to do it a different way because they see it's not always working mm -hmm. and then you have to pull them to, towards your way of working mm -hmm. so much and uh, mm -hmm. I think uh, here, here that is our role definitely mm -hmm. uh, but it's nice too 
That's interesting. Great. Sounds like a super nice project, maybe in one or two years for another uh, <laughs> award. <laughs> thank you for believing in yeah. us. <laughs> well, thank you very much uh, for having you on the podcast and congratulations again uh, for you. winning thank the uh, award. Mm -hmm. uh, if people want to find you online or something about the awards, where can they find you? Twisted Studio on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and And a website, we have also a website, twistedstudio.be. Okay, which is in Dutch, great. though. Ah, yes. So you'll have to use Google Translate if you're not Dutch speaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks a lot and uh, congratulations with the award. Thank Thanks, you. guys, and great to have you here in our office. Uh, yes. Thanks nice for inviting office. us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. The Service Design Podcast was brought to you by the Service Design Network and Night Moves. For more information, previous episodes or to join the conversation, please visit servicedesignpodcast.com. For more information about the Service Design Network, visit service-design-network.org and for Night Moves, visit nightmoves.be. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to this podcast. The intro and outro music is from If the Stars Grow Dim Tonight, by Hydrogen C featuring I Will I Swear. Until next time.